The views expressed on this program are not necessarily those of WTJX, its board, staff, or underwriters. Good day. You're listening to Ability Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Kishma B. Francis of the Disability Rights Center of the Virgin Islands. And our guest is Dr. Rashil Hastings of the Virgin Islands Department of Education. In a minute, Dr. Hastings is going to introduce himself. He's no stranger to the Virgin Islands community. Welcome, Dr. Hastings. Good day, Attorney Francis. Dr. Hastings, if you could just tell us a little bit more about your background and just tell the community what you do for the Virgin Islands Department of Education. I've been an educator for over 25 years. I was a college professor for much of that time, and um, now I serve in this capacity as the St. Thomas St. John District Director of Special Education. So I am involved with children with exceptionalities at every level in our school district. I like the fact that you use, you use the word exceptionality. Yes. Because today our topic is what's in a name. Dr. Hastings and I have had many conversations about um, the term special education and the stigma associated with it. So Dr. Hastings, let's pick up where we left off with our conversation about just re-educating our community about special education and just using terms that correctly identify our students. Well, names are important. Names have connotations. And when you reference a student as having an exceptionality that acknowledges their strengths as opposed to focusing on their weaknesses, which is what we're trying to do in the field of special education. We want our students to be able to advocate for themselves. And if all you see or think of these students is based on their perceived deficiencies, then that has a negative connotation on um, them advocating for themselves, them being able to have positive outcomes in life. Yes, greatly so. We spoke the last time about just the range and the spectrum um, that special education services. I want to touch a little bit about on it because I don't think people understand that special education is not limited to one group of students. So if we can just touch on that a little bit more. Special education covers students from ages three to 21 with severe and profound disabilities, as well as those who are on the other end of the spectrum who are extremely gifted and talented. So we cover everything. We cover the students who are severely impaired, as well as the students who are highly, highly intelligent and everything in between. My goal is to advocate for students but to also have them advocate for themselves as well. That's important. Um, we have various disability categories, um, such as autism spectrum disorders, learning disabilities, intellectual disabilities, visual impairments, 
deaf, blind, and hard of hearing. So we cover all the sensory deficits as well as um, emotional and behavioral disorders. And then there's we have a category for students that fall, that have a condition that affects their um, functioning and the school level that we couldn't even anticipate them having, and that is other health impairments. Yes, definitely, um, because, you know, I'm very familiar with IDEA, and the other health impairment is a topic or a category, actually, where students with ADHD, but it depends on if it impairs their educational performance in school in order for them to qualify for special education service. I really wanted the community to know that special education services are that. They're just services. And a student in general education could have special education services. So when we talk about what's in a name, we need to really get to how can we change the way, the words that we use to not only talk about the word special education. I'm using the term special education because that's what the Office of Special Education has out there. Mm -hmm. Hopefully we can change it to your term because I really love your term. Your term is very fitting because IEP is an individualized educational plan. You right. know, and there's, it, it doesn't say anything special about it. And that's important because when you reference student with disabilities as student with exceptionalities, it speaks to the importance of an individually designed program or plan specific to their needs. Our students all have strengths and weaknesses, and their plan is designed to address those weaknesses and maintain and build on their strengths. Yes, definitely, definitely. And it's just very important for the community to know that the individualized plans, they're not cookie cutter plans. They're created based on that student's disability, number one, and also how it's going to assist the student with their educational performance. Did I touch on this? I, did I say correctly, Dr. Hastings? Yes, you did. Okay. Um, okay. The term yeah. exceptionalities speaks to students' strengths, but I, I often tell students, what is your superpower? What do you do well? And when students are able to identify their own strengths and tell educators how to best serve them, how they best learn, then they're active in their education process, and then they're also active members of their own IEP teams, and that's what we want. We want our kids to be able to advocate for themselves. We want them to be able to say, hey, you know, that doesn't work for me, but this does. That's what we want. We want to foster advocacy, and just the name exceptionalities helps to bring, up, bring us closer to that goal. We've changed several times in, in education. We went from, I'll use the term um, mental retardation. We went from mental retardation to kids with intellectual disabilities, 
And now we're even going towards a more inclusive train of thought, which would be children with exceptionalities who fall into several different categories. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that small bit of history because there were actually laws associated that were named as such, you know, we had the 1975 um, Handicap Act, you know, mm -hmm. and then we had, prior to that was the re the, the R word, you know, so. Mm -hmm. Yes, 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 definitely, yes. So the, mm -hmm. the laws had the words in them. And as we move forward and we progress in our community, we want to use words that highlight that these students actually have, like you said, exceptional abilities. What other words can we use, Dr. Hastings? We could, we could say unique learners. Every child is a unique learner, with or without an IEP. Unique, unique learners would be one of them. Um, we could say students who require modified instruction. We could, there's several different ways that we could address students in, in these categories. But I, I also want to mention um, our flagship organization in special education is the Council of Exceptional Children. So I mm -hmm. am behooved as to why we haven't gone this route before because that's our flagship organization the Council of Exceptional Children, which is all things related to children, um, best practices, and the laws. So this has been in educators' minds, especially in this um, field for a while. But now I'm glad that the conversation has been open because it is important. A name is important. A label is important because names and labels have connotations. And people, we want to get beyond the negative stigma of limitation and have the public see children, all children, for what they bring, the unique opportunities they present in terms of their learning and ways that we in the education community can assist. A yeah. name is important. I, a name is important, and I totally agree with you because, you know, I think a lot of parents because when they hear the term special education they shy away from even getting their children tested or even get their children into services because they have in their mind the old you know way of how special education or a perceived way not the old way mm -hmm. let me correct myself a perceived way of how mm -hmm. special education teaches th their children and mm -hmm. that's not so you know, so we as a community need to educate ourselves on not only the services that are available, but that individuals with disabilities, exceptional students, <laughs> you know, okay. or students with, you know, they, they just need a little bit more assistance to, you know, do simple tasks, you know, or, you know, they need a little, little bit more assistance to just continue to be exceptional, right? Exactly. It's the difference between telling someone how to do something and showing them how to do it. 
providing them instruction, there will be the kids that you could say, okay, this is what you do. And then there'll be the kids who might need prompting, the kids who might need um, pictures. We all do, we all use those things. Have me putting a shelf together. I need to read the words. I need the pictures. And sometimes I need assistance of a sibling. These things are built into our community and it shouldn't be any different with kids who who need additional help because we all learn differently. Yeah, we, all we all learn do. differently. And I have a I have a question for you. So do you think students want to be categorized differently? Yes, because in my conversations with students they would say they would describe their condition without ever saying it. It's and they don't they fudge around because they know the perception in the community and they don't want to give themselves that label. So mm-hmm. they, they say, well, you know, I don't read like other people. And I'm like, well, that's fine. Um, or I don't learn like other people. Well, that's not a problem. We all learn differently. We all have strengths. So tell me about how you best learn and then we could develop systems and your plan to help you um, grow in the areas where you may have a deficiency. Because kids know, kids realize, kids compare themselves to other kids. They know who are the the kids who are doing well. They know who are the the kids who are struggling. And the goal is to have the kids recognize their own abilities and work towards their strengths while mitigating their deficiencies as well. And I like the fact that you said um, advocate. They, they try. They advocate for themselves because we try to create as many advocates as possible. Uh, because self advocacy is the strongest way that a person can actually state what they want, know what they want, state what they want, and get to that solution. So, mm-hmm. in your years of teaching. Have you seen students without disabilities treat um, the students with the disabilities uh, differently, or is it the same? Or well, one of my students, he this was a few years ago, but he um, he was a YouTuber and he he had high functioning autism, and he had or he still has a YouTube channel, and. The boy was just brilliant, brilliant. And once all the kids in the school discovered that that was his channel, because he had like 27 million viewers on his channel, and he just would post videos of how to um, beat the Minecraft game. So all the kids were using the video, not knowing who the person behind the voice was, because he would just, you know, provide instruction and, you know, have the screen display be the game. Once they realized that who it was, he ended up having a club at the school because everyone was amazed that, you know, the kids all say, I want to be a YouTuber, but he was actually a YouTuber. And this was, you know, years ago. Um, And that was amazing because just his experience showed all the kids in the school that you never know who you're sitting next to. 
You never know what abilities people have, even when you perceive them as having a condition. They have strengths. They have things that they do well. But we oftentimes in society just focus on the deficiencies and ignore the strengths. Yes, we do. We do. And uh, what about the Virgin Islands? Because I know you're like me. We moved around a lot. And uh, have you seen the same energy in the Virgin Islands? Well, at home for us, we, we know each other. And I always say that is a double-edged sword because, because we know each other, kids don't ever get to leave the status or the perception that they had. It's always, well, that child was slow. Yeah. Well, they could, that doesn't mean they can't catch up. But in our community, if someone knows you as a certain way, you never get to change your status. And it's important that we allow people and children the flexibility to grow and change. Yes, yes you could definitely. grow up. Yes, you could be in school and have a deficiency. You could get over that in many cases with good intervention. Now, some conditions are lifelong, but others with good instruction, structure, you could actually be able to address the concern and transition back into general education. I always say special education should be like a garage. You pull, you pull the student in, they get all the services that they need, and eventually, in the best case scenario, they transition out. It shouldn't be they go there, they stay there, and there's no growth. It should be they go in, they get the specialized instruction that they need, and the goal is for them to seamlessly transition back into full general education classes. You know, you don't let a car sit in the garage without fixing it and then returning it back on the road. That's what we want for our kids, for them to be able to get all the services that they need and then transition back into general ed. Now, in the more severe cases, that may not be possible. But our goal would be for them to acquire the necessary skills for them to be functional in society. Because everyone can't be everyone can be made whole, but we could at least work towards having kids be functional, contributing members of society, and having them be able to lead a meaningful, productive life as well. I'm glad you talked about the garage scenario because a lot of parents that I came that I came in contact with they feel that if the students in special education they'll stay in special education forever but I try to tell them that's not always the case that's really not always the case no um special education does provide services and if the services are no longer needed because your mm-hmm. student your student is not is not affecting their educational performance anymore. So they don't need that additional help, then they go into general education. That's mm-hmm. our goal. That's our goal. Our goal is not for kids, especially the higher functioning children that we know could do it 
for them to just stay in special education and stagnate. We want to continuously push them. We want that rigor built into their instruction so that they could get back to being educated with their peers. Definitely. How can we even start to change the mindset? The How can we just start the change, the movement? How can we start this movement, Dr. Hastings? It needs to be a community conversation. We need to not allow our relatives and friends to have their kids who have exceptionalities not be a part of the community. First off, we have to immerse ourselves with all the different segments of learning within our community. There was a time in the Virgin Islands when if you had a disability, your parents tried to keep you home as much as possible. That's not what we want. We want our kids to be in school. We want them to benefit from an education. We don't want them to to not be in the community. We don't want them to not have these social experiences because you grow from experience. As a community, we want to provide an environment that's accepting and nurturing and caring. If we could build in those components, then we could start to address the issues with with learning, the issues with um, at school where kids are being teased because they're different. We as a community have to be more embracing of people that are different. And that's where it begins, because then we won't have kids going to school saying, you know, you know, they feel uncomfortable because they feel different because, you know, each parent has the responsibility of saying, hey, I want you to be kind to everyone, not just everyone who's like you, but everyone in the community. Yeah, definitely. And I know for myself, I see the youth in the Virgin Islands they're more inclusive. Have you seen that? How inclusive the Virgin Islands have become? The youth. The youth especially. They're more inclusive. They're more... I think the youth are are willing to change. They just have to... I think being a, a, a child is all about being curious. And when children, when children see other children... Actually, I have an article called Why Do They say that. It's about adults explaining to children why kids in our community are disabled and what their condition means. But, and I digress, I I apologize. But the important thing is when an adult sees a child in a wheelchair or sees a, a child who may walk differently or behave differently, that's an opportunity for learning. So that's when you say, you know, that's a condition that the child has and, you know, he learns a little bit different. He may walk differently, but, you know, that's okay. One of the things that I find most enriching is when a child has a condition and adults don't hide it, but they allow the child to speak to other kids, their peers, and say, this is my condition. Because once kids know, kids are accepting because they know. But if they don't know, then they try to create scenarios and answers in their own mind, which may or may not be correct. So the best piece we could do in terms of advocacy and openness for children is to have their peers explain their condition 
to them. And then they understand and then they're supportive because then they're willing to help because they know exactly what the condition is and they don't have to try to figure it out. So, you know, I would caution parents to look for information out there on awareness, acceptance, disability conditions, and just ways to help. Yes, and definitely. Support. That's important. Definitely. And TikTok and uh, Instagram, and they're very popular social media platforms. From what I've heard, I don't have any. But mm-hmm. I, I also heard that there are a lot of individuals with disabilities uh, that are really good at advocating for themselves. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a fine line between being aggressive mm-hmm. and being assertive. And I often explain that, especially with parents, that you have to be assertive but not aggressive. You want to partner with your teachers and school professionals. You don't want to create an environment that's adversarial. So remember that because there is the fine line between aggression mm-hmm and being advocating for yourself. So, And Dr. Hastings, I just wanted to tell you thank you again. We had another conversation about the stigma and what's in the name, and we will have more conversations because the community needs it. So once again, this is Ability Radio. I am one of your hosts, Kishma B. Francis of the Disability Rights Center of the Virgin Islands, and my guest today was Dr. Hastings. Thank you very much. Thank you, Attorney Francis. The views expressed on this program are not necessarily those of WTJX, its board, staff, or underwriters.